What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Daddy Warbucks podcast. This is episode number two. Today, we have the honor of having Chronicles Nate on the show, and that's at Chronicles Nate on Twitter. And today, he's going to be talking to us about cash flow and passive income and his course that he's created as well. And so there's a lot of really good stuff in here. I actually interviewed him about a month ago, and he had 24.7 thousand followers. A month later, I wanted to do this follow-up show. And he now has 25.8 thousand followers. So he's gained a thousand followers pretty quickly. And so what I've done just for the format of the show is I've put part two up front and then we get into the rest of the interview as well. So enjoy. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you're meandering, but you see other people living the dream and you want that too? Then you're in the right place. What if instead of working three jobs and trading our time and physical energy for money, we could be making money while we sleep? This podcast interviews people who are leading the way in passive internet income and teaching and inspiring us that we can do it too. Let's change our family legacies, build generational wealth, and change the world. Welcome to the Daddy Warbucks Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the One Funnel Away Challenge. Get trained by expert Russell Brunson, author of Dotcom Secrets, on a 30-day journey that will train you how to create million-dollar funnels. Visit daddywarbucks.club OFA to learn how to confront limiting beliefs, create offers and bundles, write good copy, and profit. You can thank Daddy Warbucks and Russell Brunson when you're sitting on a beautiful white sand beach with your family, knowing that you changed your family legacy forever. You're just one funnel away. Visit daddywarbucks.club OFA. All right. We are back for a part two with Nate because we just had so much that we still need to talk about. And Nate, I think you've added about 800 followers since I talked to you last just a few weeks ago. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) It's pretty wild, man. I can't. It's a snowball that just won't stop now. (laughs) That's a good that's a good snowball to have. Um, Nate, what I noticed is that when you search the word cash flow on Twitter, your account comes up. It's like the like fourth or fifth listing. There is there's some tweets about cash flow, and then Chronicles of Nate shows up right there on cash flow. So let's define what cash flow is. I feel like this is a word that's thrown around on money Twitter a lot, but let's actually what's Nate's definition here of cash flow? Well, cash flow in and of itself is essentially just uh, the amount of money that's left over you know, between your revenue, between your income and your expenses, it's the amount of money left over. And ideally what you want that cash flow to be is passive as possible. So you want income producing assets that are going to produce that cash flow, that abundance, you know, over and above whatever your expenses is. And once you get to the place where that cash flow exceeds your expenses, then you are technically financially free. I mean, once yeah. you have passive income that exceeds your expenses, you're technically financially free. And and really what that do, does is it just releases you to be able to go out and do a lot of other things. Uh, so most people, once they get to that point of being financially free, where, they're, where their passive income equals their expenses, it uh, motivates them to go do more things and create more passive income. Hmm. Yeah, what what for you personally has been the passive income stream that you've enjoyed the most and and has been the most lucrative? Um, honestly, early on for me has uh, it's something that uh, most people are, are not really familiar with, but it's peer to peer lending. Um, hmm. It's something that um, I'm actually uh, pretty excited about, and 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 something that I see a ton of value in because you can do short term loans that can make you five to ten percent. And you are able to take those short-term loans um, and because you're turning that money over so fast, um, you can create velocity with your money. Hmm. And, and that velocity with your money gives you uh, strength to go out and do that again, but on a bigger scale. And so you just continue to build bigger, bigger chunks of passive income as time goes on. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Putting your, putting your money to work right there, making two to yeah. 5%. That's amazing. Is that is there a website or something that you're doing that through, or is that just something that you've set up? I mean, there's several out there, you know, like Lending Club. Um, there's a few different ones, and and amazing enough, peer-to-peer lending was actually something that was born out of the 2008 recession. Hmm. Um, so a lot of these companies were born out of that, and and um, what's amazing now 
is even banks are actually buying into this peer-to-peer lending practice. You know, things that are things that are taking place now, banks are seeing the value in it, and they're actually buying into it as well. Um, hmm. Trying to get there, trying to get a little piece of the puzzle. But um, the thing I like about peer-to-peer lending is that the risk level is so incredibly low because if you invested $25 into peer-to-peer lending, that $25 is, you know, it might be spread out over 400 people. Hmm. And so if one person loses their job out of 400, well, guess what? That $25 doesn't take much of a hit. Right, right. You know, so can you, if, uh, there, can, if there is a certain number of people who default on their loan or not able to make those payments or whatever, you're not, you're not just losing large chunks of your money. Nice. Nice. Is there a minimum? Can you actually do like $25? I'll have to look and see what the minimum is. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the minimum is. I, I would think that you could probably like open an account for maybe a thousand bucks or less. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I don't know what the minimum is. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So what are some other kind of cash flow hacks that you have and um, making sure that that passive income exceeds your expenses? Um, Are you really focusing on lowering your expenses or are you really just really focusing on increasing your passive income? Um, Definitely more focused on increasing my income. Um, I'm not, but I'm not really, I'm not really spending uh, more, even though my income has increased, I'm, uh, I actually put this out on Twitter the other day. Um, I spend less now than I did when I was broke, which is weird. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but, um, but, but I mean, I, I tweeted that out for two reasons. One, because, uh, it was just a profound thought that I knew people would kind of latch on to, And, you know, because it's, it, one layer of it makes it very obvious. Well, you, you spend less because when you were spending more, it was creating that brokenness <laughs> in your mm-hmm. life, you know, that brokenness, whatever. So, um, anyways, but, uh, but, but I mean, that's, that's, I just look at, you know, what I'm spending money on now and what I'm using, uh, my cash for, and yeah, it's not, it's not like I'm trying to actively reduce my expenses, but I'm definitely focused on the income side of things more than anything else. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, something else you tweeted recently that I wanted to talk with you about was you said that you try to pay yourself from your business as low of a salary (laughs) as possible. Can you just kind of talk about the concept there? Yeah. So, um, depending on how you're set up as a corporation, so we're an escort, so we're a pass-through entity, um, gives us the ability, well, we're legally required to pay ourselves a moderate or a modest income, a, you know, a moderate income, whatever. Um, and so, uh, and that's kind of determined by the IRS. So like we, we have to pay ourselves something. We can't just pay, pay everything through dividends or distributions or whatever. We have to pay ourselves something. So what we do is we have, uh, we have a certain percentage of all of our money that is allocated for salary between me and my business partner. And whenever we go to write ourselves a check, 60% of that is uh, salary. You know, it's allocated salary, you know, that we pay, we, we have to pay taxes on and all that stuff. The other 40% is allocated as distributions, which we don't have to pay taxes on. Hmm. So I'm nice. automatically reducing my tax expense by 40% just on that front. That's um, amazing. On the, on the personal side of things. And then you have all of the awesome deductions that come with owning a business. Um, so where even, even though my business is doing really well on paper, when I get my W2 from, from my business, it doesn't look like I made a lot of money. Right, right, right. Nice. Just yeah, keeping that, keeping those taxes low is saving right. you a lot of money in the long, long term. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, essentially, what I said is, you know, I want my, I, I don't want to be rich. I want my business to be rich. Um, I'm okay looking poor on paper, 
you know, I want my, I want my business to own my, my assets and my liabilities. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great tip right there. Um, let's talk a little bit about your course as well. Holy shift. Um, yeah. What, uh, just, yeah. Just tell us about this course and what we're going to be learning in there since, I mean, just these two concepts here, cash flow, you know, paving the way, pointing to the vision of creating passive income that exceeds our expenses. And then just little tax hacks, like starting a S corp so that you look, you know, poor on paper, but your business is doing really well. Um, what are some other things that this course is going to cover? Well, uh, the biggest part of what we teach is a concept, uh, called infinite banking. Um, and this guy named Nelson Nash wrote this book called Becoming Your Own Banker. And um, essentially what Nelson figured out was there was a way to properly structure a dividend paying whole life insurance policy to create your own private banking system that you own and control. So imagine being able to earn interest off of every dollar that flows through your hands, whether you're spending it or saving it. That sounds crazy. <laughs> and I thought so too, uh, until I started learning about infinite banking and I actually started applying it and using it. And I started seeing the results of that and got so excited about it that, that, uh, me and my business partner, we just decided one day that, Hey, if we're this excited about what we're doing personally in our own lives with infinite banking, like, wouldn't it be cool to go teach other people how to do the same thing? Hmm. And so our business was just born out of the overflow of gratitude and excitement for what we were learning and discovering for ourselves. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Can you, uh, can you talk a little bit more about the concept of infinite baking and kind of how it works or is that a, uh, that secret sauce for the course itself? <laughs> well, um, the, the, the course is really just an introduction to the concept. It's just to, to kind of get your mind wrapped around that because, um, we have to battle all this conventional, thinking and conventional wisdom that people have been really indoctrinated with for a long, a long period of time. And, um, something I said on Twitter actually last night was, you know, unlearning is often more difficult than learning. Hmm. So we have to get people to unlearn all the things that they've learned about money so that they can actually learn the truth about money. And that is that there are, uh, proper ways to apply uh, leverage in your life that doesn't involve risk. Hmm. And in the financial world, when you hear the word leverage, you automatically associate it with risk. But the beauty of what Nelson discovered in building your own banking system is there are ways to apply leverage without, uh, without creating additional risk in your life. Hmm. And the principal leverage is simply just being able to take a pool of money that you own and control and continuing to earn compounding interest on that money while you are collateralizing it into another another area of your life to create value somewhere else. Yeah, so give us a real practical breakdown of, of what that looks like. Okay, so the example that I use in the course, and I've, I've shared this video on Twitter before, and uh, it, this I'll say this ahead of time. This is just an example to show you how leverage works. And there's a reason that I use these numbers. Um, so the example that I use, which is sort of a tangible, um, something people can kind of wrap their mind around and you know, put their hands on, so to speak, is the example of a CD. Um, so a certificate of deposit at the bank. And uh, let's say you saved up $30,000 and you call me up. You're like, Nate, I got 30 grand. I got my car picked out. I'm fixing to run down to the dealership and pick it up. And I'm like, JB, I'm glad you did that, man, but I don't want you to go straight to the dealership just yet. This is what I want you to do instead. Uh, go down to your local bank and drop that money into a CD, a certificate of deposit. Okay. And let's say for this example, the CD is going to pay you 4% interest. Okay. Now, I know CD rates aren't 4%. Like I said, this is just an example. Um and then what I would tell you to do is turn right back around at the bank and borrow $30,000 from the bank using your CD as collateral. That's called a collateralized loan. It's the safest loan any bank can make. And typically what they're going to do is charge you one and a half to 2% over and above 
what you're earning on your CD just to cover some of their cost. So you're earning at 4%, you're borrowing at 6%. I know these numbers sound backwards, but just stay with me. So, so we're going to amortize that loan out over four years. So you borrowed 30000 from the bank. You went to the dealership and you got your car just like you were going to do anyways. We just added an extra step to the process. So a $30,000 loan at 6% over four years, you're going to have a monthly payment of $704.55. Okay. So you would have made those payments to the bank. After 48 months of making your payments to the bank, you would have paid the bank a total of $33,818. Okay. Which means you would have paid $3,818 in interest. Now, the crazy thing is your 4% CD was sitting over there growing uninterrupted as if you never touched it the whole time. And your 4% CD is actually worth more than the 6% loan that you paid off. Your 4% CD compounding over four years is now worth $35,096. So you paid $3,818 in interest, but you earned $5,096 at the same time. You beat the interest in that equation. Hmm. You got on the other side of the interest. And in that example, that is simply called recovering opportunity cost. Because if you would have gone and paid $30,000 cash for the vehicle, that $30,000 no longer has the ability to earn interest because you've gone back to zero. But with the, applying the principle of leverage, your $30,000 continues to grow each year, even though you've gone out and used it in a sense. You've collateralized it. Hmm. So that is a, a simple example just to show you how the, the principal leverage works. Um, again, it's just an example because what we teach in the course is actually kind of how to do that on steroids. Nice, nice. That that's That's a cool concept. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about that either. So... They predict that less than 1% of the people in the country have ever heard of infinite banking. Um, Nelson, Nelson wrote the book in the year 2000 and it was a self self published book. Um, He, you know, he did his own, like he never had a, a, he never had a marketing team or uh, you know, a manager like booking um, conventions and stuff like that for him. You know, he did all this himself. It was a very grassroots effort in trying to get their information out there and I get this question a lot, um, you know, why do not, why do more people not know about this? And there is definitely a conspiracy aspect to it because who controls our financial system? The banks and Wall Street. Well, why would they ever want you to know about a concept that empowers the individual and takes power away from the banks and Wall Street? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, right before this, this call started and we hit record, you were talking a little bit about, um, cryptocurrencies and, and decentralized banking and everything like that. And how kind of this concept of infinite banking plays into that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's very, uh, Austrian in nature, um, because it, it is a very private, um, it's a private contract. It's a private contract with an insurance company. And some people have a hard time wrapping their mind around the idea of taking money out of a bank, which is federally regulated, you know, and, you know, FDI insured and FDIC insured, all this other stuff and putting it into a private company. But what they don't understand is that the life insurance industry as a whole is one of the most profitable industries in our nation's history. And you can go all the way back to the Great Depression where people were trying to borrow money from banks and banks were tightening up. They weren't lending money because banks aren't built for crisis. And every time you have a crisis, people need money. But if banks aren't built for crisis and people need money during a crisis, do you see where the problem is? Hmm. Now, insurance companies are built for this. Uh, And so you can read stories about people needing money during the Great Depression where they had money that they had saved inside of their life insurance policy 
and the life insurance companies were willing to lend that money because they had it to lend. This is something that most people don't know. Commercial banks are federally regulated. They operate off the fractional reserve banking system. They create money out of thin air. Right. You right. can go Google fractional reserve banking. It's it's a lot more uh, it's a lot more well known than it used to be, um, which you know Ron Paul kind of blew the doors off of that um, a few years ago with in the Fed and all this other stuff. So, um, but insurance companies are not federally regulated; they're state regulated. And in order for a life insurance company to prove that they are solvent, that they can continue to operate once a year, they have to show the state that they have enough money on hand in cash reserves that if every one of their customers dies on the same day, they can pay out. Hmm. So they operate off of a dollar for dollar reserve system, whereas our banking system operates off of made up money. Right, right. (laughs) Wow. That is pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. I'm trying to even think of any any follow up questions I've got for you. My mind's kind of <laughs> kind of blown. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you mentioned in there um, Austrian. Uh, just for our listeners, that's Austrian economics. That's something that if yeah. you haven't looked into, you should uh, look into that theory of economics there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we can just end there, man, and we should uh, check out your course. You definitely have my interest peaked. Oh, I guess one follow-up question I have is, does that change how you're doing long-term investing? Are you still you know, uh, going kind of the common routes of 401ks and, and that type of thing, or are you kind of doing all of your saving through infinite banking? Well, infinite banking is not a... It's not one of those things where you do infinite banking and then you don't do anything else. You don't invest anywhere else. It's one of those things where you do infinite banking and you can go do all the other things that you love to do anyways. Um, Now, I'm not a big believer in qualified plans because um, infinite banking is all about certainty and control. And let me just ask you, who controls your 401k? Whoever owns it. Exactly. And it's not you. It's not right, you. Right. In fact, in fact, your 401k statement says for benefit of, and then it has your name out beside mm. it, which means you don't own it. They owe it to you. It's pretty sobering. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not a big fan of the government having control of my money. I like the idea of having full control um, because I feel like I have the ability, especially with my knowledge of uh, just financial education in general, I have the ability to go out and create way more value for myself than leaving it in the hands of the government inside of some qualified plan um, and hoping that it's going to be there in 40 years or 30 years Mm. or whatever. Yeah. But Mm. something that uh, I I teach my clients, why do people put money in a Roth IRA? Because they're hoping that it will grow and there's some tax benefits there too. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's a long-term growth strategy and it offers tax-free long-term growth. Well, your infinite banking plan offers tax-free growth as well. The difference between a Roth IRA and infinite banking is with a Roth IRA, when people are funding a Roth IRA, they're not thinking, I'm going to use this tomorrow. I'm going to use this next year. I'm going to use this in five years. They're thinking 20, 30, 40 years down the road. And they're just hoping it's going to be there. Hmm. So with infinite banking, you can fund your plan, fund your strategy now, and you're creating value long-term and short-term simultaneously, which is crazy. It's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. Um, is, is there a benefit to starting this sooner? If like we've got some, some younger listeners, is this uh, is this a better plan to start like, right now or is there any benefit to to waiting when do you want to plant a tree <laughs> 20 years ago exactly so having a system is always going to be better than having no system so um i mean we have clients who who start at 20 years old and then we have clients who are in their 60s and 70s um, the beauty of infinite banking is it does not take very long to build a banking system 
and you need cash your entire life up until you stop breathing, you have to have money. So as long as you have to have money in your life, then you need a system to run that money through. Hmm. That is good. That is good. Well, yeah, we hope that you guys uh, have your appetites whetted (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. about this course from Nate. Holy shift. Um, There's a discount code that we created and that will be at the end of the podcast and you guys can check that out. Um, Yeah. If you guys want to know more about cash flow and passive income and this whole concept of infinite banking, um, make sure to follow Chronicles of Nate on Twitter, and you guys can check out the show notes for more information as well. Nate, thank you so much for this part two. Thanks for having me, brother. All righty. Thank you. So that wraps up part two, but here is part one. Enjoy. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about your Twitter journey. Okay. So, um, my God-given name is Nathan Dean. Uh, my friends call me Nate, so I'll go by Nate. And uh, when I started Twitter, the only reason that it's Chronicles of Nate is because I really saw this as a journey when I when I was starting my account. Um, I got on Twitter because of my business partner, and he said, "Hey, check these guys out." And so there were a couple of guys that I started following just because of him, and immediately saw two things the very first day I was on Twitter, one was an opportunity to grow our business, but I also saw just an opportunity to add value to people in general, um, just through personal development and stuff, which I've been studying for a few years. Um, but I, I live in uh, Southeast Texas. Um, uh, geographically, I'm like Northeast of Houston. Okay. And uh, my wife and I, we have been married for 17 years be 18 years this year and uh, we have four kids uh, two boys two girls my boys are 12 and 16 and my girls are 7 and 10 and in addition to teaching financial education um, also a pastor of a church here in texas awesome Awesome. a little bit about me yeah yeah seems like you're pretty busy kids uh, multiple jobs (laughs) just a little bit yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the show really focuses on passive income, internet income, and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about how that's working out for you? Yeah, so um, we, our, our business structure initially when we first started was we were meeting with people one-on-one, you know, usually without a whole lot of of knowledge as far as how passive income and the opportunities that are out there on the internet, um, without that knowledge, when you start a business, naturally you look at family and friends and you're like, Hey, we started a business, you know? And so we got out there on Facebook and started growing a little bit. Um, but every interaction we had was meeting one-on-one, uh, with an individual and teaching them, you know, for an hour, an hour and a half, really as much as they wanted to learn about cash flow strategy. And when I joined Twitter, I started reaching out to people and connecting with people and I was teaching them one-on-one. The beauty of technology is, you know, you can meet up through GoToMeeting or Zoom or something like that and do a presentation for someone and, and share, you know, the information, the knowledge that you have. And so started doing that. And after a month of doing that, just setting up these appointments and teaching people for free, <laughs> Uh, essentially, uh, word started spreading and I ran out of time. I, hmm. I didn't have time to meet with everybody. And so I was trying to figure out how in the world I was going to be able to continue to do this and saw where some of these guys had developed these courses uh, in different ways and felt like that would be an opportunity for us to, or for me to leverage my time better. And so started working on that and put it out uh, probably the middle of January is when we released it. And we ran a pre-sale, sold three copies on pre-sale. And we were like, yes, that's nice. awesome. Like the fact that three people wanted to pre-order our course was just really exciting. So we had three pre-sales and that was, that was cool. And I say we, I have a business partner also. Um, but uh, after that word of mouth, just started spreading and I started getting um, more people that I was connecting with that were starting to shout me out on Twitter. So social proof became really, really big and important. And, uh, and yeah, so these, 
connections that I made with more and more people um, who were willing to learn something different because it is it is very unique to uh, conventional wisdom when it comes to how you manage your money. Um, mm. These people who are willing to learn something and and I was able to add value on a level that they had never thought possible. And uh, out of their gratitude and appreciation, they started, you know, telling other people about me. And so it's, uh, it's been, it's been pretty wild. I don't even know what the total number of courses that we sold um, since we started because we switched over to a new platform and not everything transferred over as far as all of our analytics and everything. Hmm. But uh, it's definitely over a thousand and that's 18 months since I originally joined Twitter. So it's basically 17 wow. months since we released the course, we sold over a thousand. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, yeah. So you kind of in the, in the finance thing, the, the money thing, also productivity, it sounds like you're making great use of your time and everything like that. So what's your kind of backstory um, upbringing and stuff like that? Were your parents super savvy with your, with finances and you kind of caught that from them or, or what has that been like? Um, I think it's more trial and error than anything else. Uh, a lot of pain through the, <laughs> through the process. Um, my, I grew up in a, uh, family of business owners. Uh, my dad was a business owner and my mom helped in the business. And then she also had her own full-time job where she was a property manager for a real estate company. And, uh, so growing up in that business world um my dad was my hero growing up so I, I always wanted to be like him and so i just thought you know when i go to college i'm going to get a business degree and then i'll either run the family business or i'll have my own business and so went to school for business and finance and um worked for him uh, all through college well i mean i started working for him when i was in junior high and uh because that was the deal you know once you turn 14 you can you can go to work if you want to. And right, so when right. I turned 14, I wanted to go to work. Um, I always, always just wanted to uh, be doing something for myself, you know, kind of making my own way and uh, worked for him all through college. And then even a little bit after college um, before I finally uh, stepped away from his company. So, um, and that wasn't, that wasn't because we were on, bad terms or anything like that it was just a series of circumstances that um i just decided that it was time for me to go uh <laughs> make my own way so to speak right. because uh a part of me always a part of me was just thinking if i never do anything for myself and i'm always just running the family business i'm always going to wonder what else was out there hmm. and i had to go out there and see for myself yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. We were watching a uh, Disney movie recently and I was like, I feel like that's the theme of, of every Disney movie is like children finding themselves moving away from, from family <laughs> things. And it just, it just makes a good story. I think we can all, all relate to that for sure. So um, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about your course. Um, you said you sold a thousand copies of that. What was the process of making this course? Was that a huge undertaking? Um, well, I mean, it was, essentially just taking our, our presentation that we would have sat and worked with someone one-on-one -on -one and just breaking it down into a little bit more detail where someone could uh, get enough on the front end to actually be able to kind of wrap their mind around the concept of what we do and what we teach. It, it doesn't, it doesn't get you bogged down into the kind of the, all the details because um, I wanted to make it succinct enough where it's an introduction to something new, something different, and to um, just highlight some of the concepts, the principles overall, but then offer on the back end the opportunity for anyone who goes through the course, they have access to me one-on-one. -on -one. Hmm. So yeah. I am willing to sit one-on-one -on -one and teach someone after they've gone through our course, <clears throat> I'm willing to teach someone one-on-one -on -one as much as they want to learn. Wow. That's huge value. That is huge value. Um, 
Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about something that's been difficult in your life and how you overcame it? Um, what's been the aha moment that, that helped you make the switch? Um, so I would say probably losing my dad in 2012, he passed away to cancer. Um, that's probably the single greatest difficult moment in my life so far. Uh, because as I mentioned earlier, my dad was my hero. Um, somebody that I always wanted to be like, and, uh, you know, and he was, he was a godly man. He was an honorable man who loved his family, you know, loved the Lord, um, taught, taught me a lot. And, uh, I look a lot like him. So when I look in the mirror, <laughs> I, uh, I have the awesome gift of, of still being able to see a little bit of him when I see myself. Hmm. Um, and so that was a, a really difficult time for me. The, uh, what brought me out of it was simply just the grace of God. Um, mm. he gives us a, a peace that passes all comprehension. Um, and it, it took a little while, but once that peace came over me, it wasn't a peace that I could explain to anybody because the, the world would, would have looked at my situation and said, how, did, how can you have peace right now? Hmm. Um, so uh, that's something that uh, I can't explain how I came out of it completely other than just by his grace um, and the peace that he was able to offer me in a time when I needed it, um, in a time where I shouldn't have had peace. Um, and, and again, it's not really anything that I can explain. You just, you have to be, you have to be in that moment to understand it. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Kind of a follow-up question to that is just what's, what's an excuse that you've had to overcome in your life? Is there, is there a, something that you, yeah, an excuse that you try to make on the daily or that you've really struggled with in the past that you've had to overcome? And um, what, what was the process of walking through that? Um, I'll, I can do it tomorrow. Hmm. That's, that is a that is a constant battle for me um and the biggest the the really about the only way that i've ever overcome that is with accountability hmm. and my my business partner before we were business partners we were accountability partners already and so we were just pushing each other to be better husbands better you know better followers of christ um, better fathers, all that stuff, you know, we're pushing each other and just being better overall, healthy, and, um, any struggles we have, we were just holding each other to those things. And so, uh, Brandon, my business partner, he helps me with a whole lot of my procrastination issues. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a daily struggle for me is I can do it tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. So what are, what does some of that accountability look like? Are you just creating lists, submitting that to your business partner, and then he's asking you about it at the end of the day? Yeah, we have uh, check-ins um, at least once a week, uh, specifically just for what are we trying to knock out? What are we trying to accomplish? What do we need to take care of? And so, and usually the way we do it is if I have something that I need to be doing, then uh he makes sure that he has something that he needs to be doing and then we can hold each other instead of it just being a one-way street. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, do you have any affirmations throughout the day that, that help you things that you kind of say to yourself or repeat to yourself, uh, a mantra of sort. And I can't really think of anything specifically. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. There's, there's not really anything that comes to mind. Yeah, sure. I've been starting to try to wake up. And the first thought I try to kind of speak out is um, what I do matters and people care because the lie that I believe every morning when I wake up is it doesn't matter and no one cares. And then that's not very motivating mm -hmm. for me to actually get out of bed. So I've been just trying to con combat that as soon as I wake up, just like what I do matters and people care. So that's that's something that's been been helping me. Well, I, OK, so that that brought up a thought. Um, so one thing, one of the the um, themes, uh, really of my life is service leads to greatness. Um, mm. which, which leads back to what Jesus told his disciples. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How, how do you feel like you're implementing that in your daily life? Uh, definitely in my interactions with other people, um, 
course, me being a pastor, uh, I'm always, I'm all, there's, there's always calls to service in ministry. Um, but then even in my, uh, relationships with my family, uh, with my friends, uh, my client relationships, you know, uh, always just looking for ways that I can help other people. And then I hang out on Twitter uh, every day for at least a little while. And if I see somebody struggling, you know, I, I try to try to, you know, lift them up if I can. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a tweet that I don't know if it was scheduled or not, but you, it was basically just like, keep going. And I saw that and I was like, yes, I need to do that today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't use a tweet schedule or everything is just, um, it's all in real time. Hmm. I tried awesome. using those tweet schedulers before and I just could not, I enjoy the real time experience too much. There you go. There um, you go. so it's, it's all very raw for me whenever I put something out there. Hmm. That's good. That's good. So what, what does a day, um, in the life of Nate look like? What are some, uh, daily disciplines that you have locked in that, that is helping you achieve success? So the very first thing I do in the morning is I get up and make coffee because that's really important. That is, that's the key to success. (laughs) Yeah. That's black coffee. That's a, that's a buzzword on Twitter. Uh, You can just, (laughs) You can just tweet out something, 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 black coffee, and you'll get people that will respond to it just because of that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah. Just see, see how that works out for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, coffee and then just my my quiet time in the morning in the living room um, where uh, my wife and I just sit in the living room and um, just kind of get ready for the day. Uh, there's not like a specific routine where I'm like, okay, at this time I do this, at this time I do this, but uh, usually start, starts off with me maybe reading a little bit, get my mind right for the day, um, and <clears throat> and then I'll hop on Twitter and you know try to put out put out a few tweets in the morning to just kind of get the momentum rolling for the day, uh, just yeah. thoughts that I thoughts that I'm having or something like that. And, and then after about an hour, um, after, after I get done with tweets, uh, I usually about a half, about a, I give myself about an hour in between that and getting ready for my coaching calls for the day. So, um, and then I'll go through my coaching calls that day. And as far as work goes, you know, that's pretty much pretty much a day for me. And then after I get off the phone, then it's family time. Hmm. That's cool. That's cool. I, uh, I just tweeted out that we were having an interview right now and I said we were talking about black coffee. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, sure and retweet it. <laughs> so if you had every item in your, uh, that you own break, what would be the first three things you'd replace, um, besides the essentials, phone, computer, car, and house. So for example, I talked about my Dyson vacuum because that's something that I use on the daily because I have a hundred pound dog that sheds about 50 pounds of fur <laughs> per day. And it's just like, I need that thing to yeah. make sure my house doesn't get, uh, get taken over by fur. So yeah. What would be those three things that you would replace instantly? Um, okay. So coffee pot would have to be number one. Yeah. Are you, you just do drip coffee? Yeah. All uh, right. So, uh, in fact, just, a, a quick shout out to ground shark coffee. Go check them out. I am not, I don't own that company. I have no affiliation. I have no reason to tell you that other than it's a really good coffee. Nice. Um, check that out. We actually, uh, well, I'll add one side note to that. So we actually uh, partnered up with them in this capacity where they actually create custom bags of coffee for us that we give to our clients. Nice. As a, just a cool gift. And, and nobody ever argues with that. They love it. So yes. anyways, if you're a business owner, go check out Ground Shark Coffee. Uh, Nick Lowry's awesome, awesome dude who owns the company. And, uh, and they've got some really cool stuff. But yeah, so coffee pot. Any, any special coffee pot going on? I mean, or, or is it just like the Black & Decker coffee pot? Yeah, just a regular. You know what? Um, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. We When Keurig first came out and it was like a thing, we we went through two of those things. 
<laughs> and I got I got so fed up and tired of that. I went and bought the cheapest coffee pot I could find at Walmart. And my theory was the cheapest coffee pot that, <clears throat> the cheapest coffee pot you can find is going to be the one that lasts the longest. And has it has it proven true? Yes. Still going strong. <laughs> yep, still going strong. Awesome. I think that thing cost me like fifteen bucks. Yes, money well invested. <laughs> yeah, although my business partner has discovered this new contraption called a percolator, which I was not familiar with. Okay. And w- we took a road trip, and he brought that thing, and I'm like, all right, I got to get one of those. So nice. I'm about to I'm about to make an upgrade. There you go. There you go. Yeah, uh, Cuban coffee, right? Is that it? Just kind of like bubbles up over the over the grinds and then yeah it's like a it's like cowboy coffee or something like that is, okay. is what they okay. call it but anyways it's a pretty pretty unique little contraption because it all it's like it's built like a pitcher and you just brew the coffee all in the same spot and then it just pours out like a pitcher nice cool. nice nice so uh is there a couple other things that you'd replace instantly um okay so coffee pot um I don't know if this counts, but my contacts would be really important for me because like I <laughs> have to be, be able, able to see. see. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that would count as one or not. Um, but my, uh, my shop back, I, it's amazing how much I use my shop back in a week for different nice. stuff. So like my shop back, I don't know, like it just feels like you can get stuff done with a shop back. Like, yes. like no mess is, no mess is too big when you have a shop back. What, uh, <laughs> what brand shop back are you using? Um, dang, what is that one? It's orange. I don't remember what the I don't remember what the name of it is. But it's, rigid, I think, is rigid. The yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's it. It's rigid. So yeah. I got it at Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that. Nice. Yeah, don't skimp out on the shop vac either, because if you buy the little bit more expensive one, the vacuum power is that much better. And there's nothing worse than trying to like suck something up and it won't suck. So yeah, especially yeah. because when you have that shop vac out, you need it to work. Um, we bought our first house in Tennessee and the first weekend I was in there, we had a heavy rain and my basement started flooding. And I was like, what in the world? And so I was down, you know, they're just sucking out water out of my house. And I was like, I'm glad that I spent this couple extra hundred bucks on that upgrade of this shop vac because I would be so frustrated if my shop vac wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. So there's a pro tip right there. Buy a good shop yeah. vac. <laughs> yeah. And and the one that I ended up getting, it even has the uh, option where you can pull the top of it off and turn it into a leaf blower. Oh, nice. Cool multi-purpose so, yeah so got a little uh combo action going on there so that's pretty cool so nice, nice. uh my coffee pot um my shop back i don't know, really know if we count contacts but um the other one i thought of would be my gun okay <laughs> i would want to make sure that, that my gun was replaced pretty soon there you, uh, go. there you go i grew up with guns guns are important to me um especially now <laughs> All right. Are you doing uh, most of your tweeting on your phone or your computer? And then uh, what are the specs of your phone and or computer? I, for the most part, it's very rare that I use my computer for Twitter. So most of the time it's on my phone and I have the uh, iPhone 11 Pro Max. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. Cool. Um, you kind of talked about how often you're tweeting. You're you're usually doing it in the morning. And uh, what's your kind of thought process and workflow when you're hopping on Twitter? I really don't have a yeah. I really don't have like a, a specific strategy as far as kind of how I use Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's to promote my business and the course. And then sometimes it's just personal development. Sometimes it's just engaging with other people interacting. Um, but the overall, overall theme, every time I'm on Twitter is I want to make sure that I add value to someone in some way. Right. Right. So, um, I love the, I love the responses on Twitter and, and the DMS where people say, man, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, that's so, awesome really cool which you commented on that tweet the other day about that I right believe. yep yep yeah like man i needed this and i was like man yes. I, that's perfect because then 
that's just confirmation that I was that what I was feeling needed to needed to actually be put out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think in this just Twitter entrepreneur uh yeah, realm, it's just easy to get discouraged. And uh you see other people kind of making great results, you know, right off the bat, people that came up, you know, at the same time. I think my account's about a month old. And there's people that have like four times the amount of followers and are, you know, making tons of affiliate sales and stuff like that. And it's just like something wrong here, you know? (laughs) So what, what's something in your life that you feel like is discouraging and how do you face discouragement? Hmm. (laughs) I'm pretty laid back and easygoing for the most part. Um, I think probably the most discouraging thing for me is negativity in other people. Hmm. Um, and, and whether that's in, in ministry or just in life in general, um, sometimes I don't fully understand why people think and feel the way they do. But so much of that comes from just my background and uh, my belief system, you know, because as a Christian, our ultimate hope is in Jesus. And so sometimes it's really hard to relate to someone who's just completely hopeless. Hmm. So in, in a weird way that can be a discouragement sometimes or, or be discouraging for me is, um, people who are, are are just hopeless and you there's no way that you can just drill it into their head and into their heart um it, it's something that it's something that's miraculous that happens that happens in that individual and so i would say that's probably the most discouraging thing that i experience is just seeing people who who have so little hope in life and not being able to just put a, you know, put the, put the wrench on them and fix them. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, are you managing multiple Twitter accounts or you just got the one? No, I just have the one. Gotcha. Um, what advice would you have for yourself if you were starting from scratch on Twitter? (laughs) I would say figure out what your goal is going to be early on. Some people, they want to grow, but they don't know why they want to grow. And some people want to make money, but they don't know. I mean, well, I mean, they know why they want to make money. But um, I think seeing the bigger picture is something that's really important because so many people are so short-sighted and they kind of have this microwave mentality about what they're going to, what they're going to do. And, and I have nothing against affiliate sales. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for those people who are doing that. And I mean, and I have, you know, several affiliates for myself who are doing that, but um, don't get so caught up in just making sales that you miss the connection piece. Um, because con- making genuine connections with people is really where you're going to experience the most growth, not just in numbers, but just in just in your own personal growth as well. Um, I, tw- I tweeted this out yesterday, I think. Each new connection is an expansion of knowledge. Hmm. That's good. That's super good. What uh, What accounts are you following right now that you're really enjoying connecting with? Oh, man. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest reasons I joined Twitter was, uh, this guy named Ed Lattimore. I don't know if you know who Ed Lattimore is, yep, I'm but following. yeah. So, um, I actually read his book before I even started following him on Twitter because my business partner was already following him and was texting me tweets of Ed Lattimore and a couple other guys, um, Alexander Cortez, um, AJ, and then also Chris Johnson. That was like the three guys mainly that he would send me tweets of before I even got on Twitter. Nice. And uh, so I, I was already reading Ed's book. So I, I kind of had that connection with him. And then I you know, 
started following him and then started following him really closely. And now we've actually, you know, we get, we know each other personally now. Um, so, uh, so Ed Lattimore is the one that comes to mind just because of how consistent he is on Twitter and just how profound he is in some of the things that he says. Um, and he's also funny too. So, you know, he's, he's got a good sense of humor, um, with some of, some of the things he says. Um, I'm not a prude when it comes to um, being a pastor. Like there's there's some things that um, that I can still find funny that you know maybe some other people may not find funny. Um, so um, Ed Lattimore, and then I kind of have a what I would call my inner circle uh, mm-hmm. of of guys that I that I know personally that I have probably my earliest friends on Twitter. Um, and, and I'll, I'll name them for you if you want me to. Um, so birth of clarity is one account, uh, that's Roscoe. Uh, and then we have, uh, rugged legacy, Jeff Putnam. Um, and then we have Jack Colson, the body weight man. He's a, he's a, fitness dude so um then we have another fitness guy uh the primal man chris and then ryan stevens and then the last one is my business partner which is uh brandon goswick and so that's actually my inner circle on twitter those are the guys that that i probably know better than anybody else um on twitter and even even off of Twitter, because you know I made personal connections with with each of those guys, and we we support each other's content pretty that's regularly. Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, that's cool that uh, you can you know feel really connected to that group of people on Twitter. I like that. I like that community. Um, what's the worst experience that you've had on Twitter? Um, when I was still in the early growth phase. Uh, I had an account that was a little bit bigger than mine uh, that disagreed with something, disagreed with my philosophy of finance and basically sicked his minions on me. <laughs> and so, oh. Like I was, I was having to deal with all these different people coming at me. It was, I mean, it only lasted for like maybe 30 minutes or an hour or something like that. It felt like it was a lot longer than that, mm. but it was all these because what he did is he disagreed with something I said on my account and then I responded to him and then he started retweeting me with comments about my response and all this stuff. And so then all these other people started jumping in that were following him and it, it was simply, it got to the point where I was like, you know what, there's not really a reason to defend myself at all because Hmm. what they are arguing is simply because they don't have enough information hmm. and they didn't have enough context to fully understand what I was trying to say. And there's no way for me to say it in 280 characters or whatever Twitter offers. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, that was probably the worst experience I had. And like I said, it didn't last very long, um, but it taught me a lot because that it, it taught me the lesson that um you don't have to defend yourself. If you want to defend yourself, you can, but you don't have to. Hmm. Uh, if you have a, if you have a reputation, if you've built a solid reputation, then they, you have no reason to defend yourself. There you go. Yeah. That's good advice for, for all of us that are coming up because we're probably going to run into some Twitter drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, on the flip side of that, what's the best experience that you've had on Twitter? Is there like one or two things that really stands out as man, this was, this was awesome on Twitter. Um, I don't think any, any small account, I don't think you ever forget the first time you get a shout out from a big account. And, uh, and the the first shout out, the first big shout out I ever got was from a guy named Chris Johnson, who I mentioned earlier. And I was, I was, let's see, like a week or two on Twitter at that point. And I had made a personal connection with him in direct messages, I'd started teaching him about some, some of the things that I teach with cash flow strategy. And he was so appreciative of what I had taught him 
that on December 23rd of 2018, as I said, you never forget this moment. Um, <laughs> uh, December 23rd, 2018, my kids, my wife and kids, they want to go look at Christmas lights. So uh, it, we had gotten out of church that night and we were driving to the next town over to go look at Christmas lights. And my phone starts blowing up with Twitter notifications. And, and that was before I'm, that was before I had a reason to turn notifications off. You know, that was right. when I was getting one or two notifications a day. And all of a sudden, like, it's just, just blowing up. And my wife's like, what is going on? And I was like, I have no idea. It's something, something happened on Twitter. I don't know what's going on. So I get to the next town and finally get to a place where I can stop. And I opened up my phone and sure enough, Chris Johnson, uh, he, gave me a shout out on Twitter and he said, I will publicly vouch for this dude Chronicles Nate. He led me to learn about a whole other side of money. And if you're into finance, you need to give him a follow. Nice. And at that point, Chris had like 30, 25, 30,000 followers, something like that. And so people started following me like crazy. And so that was the first that, I mean, that's just a, a moment that I'll never forget. Um, when he gave me that shout out and then he gave me another bump like a month later and he tweets at Ed Lattimore and he said, Hey Ed, you need to give Nate a follow. You won't regret it. So <laughs> then, Ed, then Ed started following me that day. Um, so, uh, you know, Chris, Chris has been, was really, was really cool and kind of give me a little bump, um, early on. And so, um, always, always going to be grateful for that. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, what's, what would you say is your motivation or inspiration? Like what's, what's your why, uh, when it comes to, comes to Twitter? Uh, going back to that mantra we talked about earlier, service to others is what leads to greatness. Um, you know, Jim Rohn talked about, uh, enlightened self-interest and where, you know, you, you help other people, you, you, focus on other people and, and you don't have to worry about yourself and um, which ties very well into a book that we have basically structured our business around uh, called the go-giver um, by uh, Bob Berg and John David Mann uh, which Bob fo follows me on Twitter which is pretty cool that's kind of surreal whenever Bob started following me on Twitter because that book was just very influential in how we wanted to operate our business nice. and so in fact our we don't have any income goals and we don't have any revenue goals as far as how much we want to make but we do have giving goals as far as how much we want to give away that's awesome that is awesome yeah i think i i try to tweet something on the regular just like in your pursuit of money you know also try to make the world a better place Right. So I think that's really important, this side of, you know, money Twitter. We can't just be doing well, it for ourselves. I've tweeted this out before, you know, don't live for money, don't live for success, live for significance. Mm, that's good. That's super good. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned that, that one book that you've kind of based your business around. Is there any other books or resources that you feel like have changed your life and you would recommend? Um. Just from a processes standpoint, there's another book that has been very uh, very valuable in our business called Profit First by author Mike Michalowicz. And it is just a, a system of how to manage your business income, your business revenue. And that has been really, really beneficial for us. Um, yeah, and awesome. it just, it, it it's a game changer. I, I really don't even know how to to put words to it, it's just, it's been an absolute game changer because it gives us the ability to allocate our resources in a systematic way. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's the, that's the second time I've uh, heard about that book. So I'm going to have to definitely pick that up and check that out. That sounds, sounds good. Um, yeah. Are you on any other social media platforms? Or are you just focusing on, on Twitter? Yeah, right now um, it's mainly Twitter. I mean, we started off on Facebook, so we have a little bit of a Facebook presence, but 
we uh, we've basically taken most of our interaction on Facebook private. And so we have a private Facebook group now that has, I don't know, 700 and something people in it right now. And, uh, and that's people that have gone through our course, um, existing clients uh, who have already, you know, taken that next step in the coaching process and people that we've interacted with who are just interested in what we do that we've had conversations with, you know, somebody who to reach out to us usually on a personal level and said, Hey, you know, what kind of business do you have? And if we've had a conversation about it, we'll, and if they want to know more about it or learn more about it, then we'll add them to the group. But most of the people that are in that group have gone through the course or are already existing clients. Nice, nice, nice. Cool. Well, I need to uh, wrap this up. I actually forgot my computer charger and my computer's about to die. So um, is there <laughs> any, right. well, yeah, un- unprepared today. Uh, any last words for our listeners? Uh, man, I-, I would say just uh, go out and look for opportunities to, to help other people. Um, that's, that's the biggest takeaway I could give to somebody is just go help somebody. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I just love that you've uh, you've done that with your with your course and just offering that one on one as well after people take your course. And it's cool that your uh, your Twitter stats show that you're obviously offering value. So, Nate, thank you so much for being on the show. Who should I have on the show next? Any Man, I, I would I would reach out to Rugged Legacy, Jeff Putnam. Uh, he's just he's a he's a personal friend of mine and he's got a really just awesome story about uh, redemption you know, and how he has pulled himself up out of the, out of the pit, so to speak. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, Nate, thank you so much for being on the show in the show notes today. We'll provide some links of uh, resources that were listed. And also, um, we're Nate, you said you're going to hook us up with, uh, maybe a discount code for your course, um, for our listeners, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You'll you'll, uh, be able to get a 20% off discount, um, by using the code Warbucks Pod. Warbucks right. Pod. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, Nate, thank you so much for being on the show. All right. Thanks for having me. This podcast was brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook and one month free trial to check out some of the resources that were mentioned in today's show at audibletrial.com slash Warbucks Podcast. To see today's show notes, visit daddywarbucks.club nate and download our free PDF on generational wealth building at daddywarbucks.club. See you next time.